I'm Rechard van der Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 191, for the weekend starting 22 September 2017. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, real technology journalism. On Talk Central this week, DSTV Now coming to all multi-choice subscribers. Also this week, Liquid Telecom launches Quese Play in South Africa. Dealing with the out-of-bundle conundrum, I look back at the big iPhone launch and... Google's deal with HTC. Hmm, interesting stuff. It's Friday and that means time to talk tech. Welcome to the show. How's it, Rekhart? How's it, Duncan? Very good, thanks. Uh, nice summery day out here. Yeah, summer is upon us. It is fantastic. F- I believe officially the uh, spring equinox today. Oh, it is nice. Which means the day is Another just as long as the night. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we just need those first thunderstorms now. Yeah, I predict maybe three weeks and we'll get it. But the smells is outside have been amazing. You know, the trees blossoming, all the flowers coming out. It's, yeah, spring is in there, so to speak. I love Indeed. it. It's great stuff. We're just saying it's only three months to Christmas. Can you believe it? Can you? Yeah, no, that's... <laughs> you start saving for those Christmas presents. Yeah, but iPhone. Mm. <laughs> Which is launching just Sore before point. Christmas, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do our quiz. Um, do you want to do the first question? Yeah, right? sure. First question in this week's quiz. Which South African retailer conducted a trial of Bitcoin payments at the point of sale? Uber has been banned from operating in which major city from the end of this month? Mm. Third question. Which technology industry mogul this week firmly denied he wants to run for U.S. president? Yeah, right. (laughs) Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella is publishing his first book next week. What's it called? And the last question in this week's quiz. Which major retailer in the U.S. has filed for bankruptcy, citing e-commerce rivals as the reason? That's our quiz. We'll get back to the answers to that quiz at the end of the show. Although I suspect we'll be answering many of the questions during the course of yeah. our discussion today. But let's jump right into, uh, oh no, let's not jump into the news yet. Let's talk about some of the podcasts that uh, we've been doing on Tech Central over the last few weeks. And we've had some great interviews uh, on our Tech Central podcast series. Uh, if you don't subscribe, go check it out in your favorite podcatcher. Just search Tech Central. You'll find it there. It's got a red background. The show has a black background to differentiate <laughs> the two. Uh, and uh, we've, we've had some great interviews. My favorite interview so far uh, uh, on that Tech Central podcast series has been the interview I did on Monday this week with Fazam Isani, who's the blockchain lead at RMB. Uh, absolutely fascinating discussion. We spoke for an hour and a half. Now, don't let that put you off. It's an hour and a half of riveting listening. Oh, it was fantastic. It was oh, you fantastic. had to talk to us. It really, it really yeah. explains it, yeah. It was good yeah. to get some deep insights. Mm. And uh, we talk about everything from, he spoke about everything from, uh, you know, what is money? Uh, what is a cryptocurrency? Going, you know, getting down to brass tacks and really explaining it in, a, in, in layman's terms, which I thought was really useful. And then talking about why this stuff is so revolutionary, um, what it means for central banks, what it means for monetary policy, what it means for fiat currencies. His view is that uh, crypto is going to destroy fiat currencies. Uh, so government-backed money, like the RAND, like the US dollar, he believes it's going to go away. Uh, I mean, this is revolutionary stuff. No, it is absolutely fantastic. Uh, r- really interesting discussion. And, it's, it, you know, it, it br- raises all sorts of questions. I mean, he was, his view was that, you know, the, even the concept of a nation state could go away. Um, he said the concept is not that old. Mm. And, uh, it, you know, this, this type of monetary system that we, that's being developed here has the potential to reshape social, our social order. Um, so it was a fascinating discussion. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, well even, worth the listen. Even if only a portion of what he thinks is going to happen happens, it's going to change the world. Mm. Um, but that's a, that was a great discussion. Had so, had, had so a couple of other interesting chats. I spoke to Ryan Solovey, who's heading up Quesep Play. 
which we're going to talk about in the show today. Um, really interesting chat about uh, the Roku box that they've brought to South Africa. Uh, but I won't say too much more on that because we're going to be talking about that during the show today. And I had a great interview with James Herbst and Duarte de Silva, who are uh, respectively the CEO and chairman of Huge Group, to get an insight into uh, where that business is going. Duarte de Silva, um, a highly respected businessman, he used to be a, an IT analyst at Merrill Lynch back in the day, back in the 1990s. Hmm. Uh, and he produced fantastic reports. When I was still a green around the gills reporter, uh, I used to go and sit in his office in downtown Joburg, and uh, he used to take me through um, the earnings reports of companies like Comparex and QData and uh, similar businesses. Um, really fascinating insights into uh, into those companies because you know he had a, he had a way of of producing these reports that were really easy to understand and fun to read as well. And is that why you love them so much? Because whenever you analyze them, I can see the glee in your face. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, the art of reading those reports. I mean, mm. what a Indeed. Um, so he, he went on to a career uh, uh, launching a bank here called, or a financial services group called Macquarie First South. Uh, and uh, he, he exited that business, I think, about two years ago now, and he joined Huge Group as chairman. And they've got some interesting things planned. So um, if, if you're interested in finding out more about that company, go have a listen to that podcast. I enjoyed that discussion. And we've got some more great podcasts coming up, so keep listening. But let's get down to our news. And uh, I went to MultiChoice yesterday for a uh, update, media update on uh, on the. It was largely to do with content, so probably not mm. directly relevant to to our audience. But uh, you know, from a technology perspective, uh, they made a couple of announcements: new HD channels coming to MultiChoice, for example. BBC Brit is now going to be in HD, so you can watch all the uh, nice. all the uh, Top Gear repeats in in full HD. <laughs> um, plenty of those, <laughs> those repeats. repeats yeah. 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 Uh, and they've also announced that uh, they are going to be bringing uh, DSTV Now, which is their streaming platform, to all multi-choice subscribers. Um, you know, initially it was only available to premium subscribers, mm-hmm. and then quite recently they announced it was going to be launched for Compact and Extra customers, now called uh, Compact Plus. Uh, so that, that's now available for those uh, on those bouquets. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they're bringing it to all the others, uh, right down to the Access bouquet, which I think costs 100 bucks a month. Uh, obviously, you don't get access to all the channels. You For get sure. access to the channels that are in that bouquet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they, they're bringing all of those down. Also, um, you know, they're also ramping up the HD side of things. So the SuperSport channels are all going HD. Uh, and even SuperSport seventy five, Yuxke. Yeah, they are weird. What there's twelve SuperSport channels now. Wow. Um, and yeah, but they're going to bring more and more HD to that uh, to that platform as well. Interested? No, in ANN seven on DSTV now. I wonder if that's ever going to <laughs> Can't say yeah. I uh, missed it on there. Um, and yeah, so uh, some some interesting developments happening with D- DSTV now. They're clearly putting a lot of investment in there. Uh, I did ask Graham Cumming, who's the head of DSTV Digital Media, whether there are any plans now that Showmax has been. Mm. integrated into multi-choice whether they will merge DSTV now and Showmax at some point. He said there are no immediate plans to do that, but it's something that may happen down the line. Well, it makes sense to uh, have your technologies that deliver that content be the best version of the technology. Mm. So whether it's Showmax's or DSTV's, to have a single platform makes sense, but um, yeah, I guess it's still early days in that transition. Yeah, yeah, indeed. But I would like to see to see a, a much stronger offering from them having a, having you know move yeah. Chomax back into this table. Yeah, but I, I think they. I'm chatting to Mark Rayner, who's the CEO of Multi Choice South Africa at the same event, and uh, you know his view is that this market has become so interesting, so competitive, mm, mm. Uh, and there's so much happening. Um, and right next on our on our show notes is uh, our segue here is Quest Play, and uh, you know they've announced uh, when was it about. 
10 days ago now that they're bringing a Roku box to South Africa. I don't know if you've had a chance to play with a Roku box before. Uh, I had. I still have an old Roku tube somewhere in my house. It was a fantastic music streaming player for me. Um, and it kind of opened my eyes to like this, the first kind of digitally connected devices that can bring you. I mean, I would, that was just an audio device, yeah. but uh, obviously the video side of it. Yes. Um, it's, no, it's a great company. I, I love the products. Yeah. So go have a listen to that po- podcast we did with Ryan Solovey if you're, if you're interested in the real detail on, on Quesa Play. But it's an interesting box. Um, I've got one to play with and uh, plugged it in. And it, um, it's nice. It's a nice interface. It's the, it's, from what I can tell, it's the basic uh, mm-hmm. Roku interface, but it's been customized a little bit by... So it's their store that you get on there. So at the moment, well, last time I looked, which was about six days ago probably, uh, they had about 100, 110 channels uh, or apps on there that you fire up and watch content. So they've got things like TED. Uh, they've got Netflix. They've got an exclusive relationship with Netflix. So oh, that's cool. you can subscribe in Rand. The prices are slightly higher than the dollar prices, but uh, they've said that they're going to work to adjust those prices so that they're in line with the dollar pricing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, there's a whole bunch of weird content on there, which I suppose you you, you, <laughs> you can expect on a Roku box. But uh, they, they, you know, on a Roku box overseas, there are thousands of ch- of yeah, channels yeah, or channels. apps you can choose from. So they've only launched a hundred or so so far. But they they say that uh, they have an, every intention of of rolling out up to a thousand, possibly more, on the Roku box quite rapidly. So but all under their branded. It's all un- it's all, all it's all cu- curated by them. Yeah. Okay. So I was quite interested to see Twit on there this week in tech, which nice, is a big yes, American yes. podcast tech podcast network. Um, I'd love to see our podcast uh, platform on there. I think I must have a conversation with them at some point about yeah, that. Yeah, that's a very good idea. Um, and yeah, some some great content. Uh, I actually used it to watch quite a lot of TED videos, which I hadn't seen before. Those mm. are always fantastic. Mm. Uh, if you if you you know you can if you find the right content, some some of those TED videos are mind blowing. And uh, does the remote actually have the labeled buttons, uh, Netflix, YouTube, and Red Bull TV, and, and Quesi, obviously? Quesi Play, yeah. So what they're planning to do, Quesi Play, they, Liquid Telecom, which owns this, um, launched Quesi TV, uh, which is a direct-to-home satellite service, which is available in a number of African territories, not mm-hmm. South Africa. So that's, a typical, that's your typical multi-choice DSTV type of setup. Where you mm-hmm. get a set-top box, you put a satellite dish on your roof, you subscribe. What they're planning to introduce uh, is is a Quesa TV service streaming on the on the box. So uh, you will get those channels that they offer through their DTH satellite service mm. uh, in South Africa as an option on the box. That's going to be launched very soon. I'm told. I don't have a specific date for that yet. Nice. So that'll be a subscription service. It won't be free. Sure. Uh, you'll you'll pay for it like you pay for Netflix on this platform. And you know, once once it's available, you'll be able to access all of the all of the channels that they have access to. So that includes you know series channels, movies channels, sports channels, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, so that, that, that'll really add value to this box once yeah, that's launched. Yeah, and yeah. it's coming soon. And especially I, if they keep adding mm. more, more content, more channels to it. Yeah. I did wonder why they launched uh, Quesa Play now rather than waiting before they could launch Quesa TV as part of the mm. solution. Mm. So the only pay thing on this at the moment is Netflix, uh, which seemed a bit odd to me. And then I realized, wait a minute, Telcom has announced they're launching this TV Lit 100 C-Box, yes, TVC yes, 100 yes. or whatever it's called, at, on the 1st of, or sometime in October, I think it is. So I suspect that they brought forward their launch plans to accommodate to to get into market before Telcom. Yeah, yeah. Because that this box is going to go head to head with Telcom's Android box. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, but the fact that it's a Roku branded device, I mean, I think that puts a lot of credibility behind it. And uh, you know, like I said before, if they just if they continually work on those channels and make more content available around it, you know, yeah. just make it more 
I guess, uh, you know, make it more exciting yes. you know, with your revisions or the, updates? The basis is there now. I mean, the, you can see they've built a solid foundation and mm. now they need to build on it. YouTube is on there, for example. Um, so that's obviously a, a huge, um, I mean, a, a very positive free oh, yeah. platform oh, yeah. for people to, to get access. My, my only criticism of it, and, and maybe there are accessories, I don't, I don't know what the Roku ecosystem of hardware looks like, but the box comes with a, a very easy to use remote, but um, to, to, to type into YouTube to search for video is quite painful. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if there's a Roku branded keyboard that you could buy that you could connect to this thing. I would assume there is such a product. Maybe even a generic Bluetooth keyboard should work. Or it might. Would I don't have? Know. Maybe, does it have USB ports in the back? I think it has a USB port, if I'm not mistaken. Unfortunately, I don't have the box here. Interesting. No, no, I but th- it's, it's definitely well worth looking yeah, into. For yeah. gender, because you make a good point. I mean, mm. you know, if you have a connected TV, but... Uh, you, you need a keyboard. keyboard. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe they missed a trick there. You, you can get very nice solutions with, with a remote on one side, mm. keyboard, and flip mm. it over, and keyboard on the other That's side. That's what I've got for my TV. But I've got mm. a computer hooked up. But, yes. yeah, without a keyboard, it's... Yeah. It, it doesn't navigate the content. It's a bit difficult to search. Yeah. Mm. Even Netflix. I mean, if you want to search something that you haven't, mm. you know, yeah. you want to be clicking through each of those categories manually. Yes, indeed. The remote, I mean, don't get me wrong, the remote is very easy to use. I mean, you pick this thing up and it's so mm. obvious mm. that mm. How, what do you do with this thing? And they've done amazing work with simplifying it. I think very many, uh, too, far too many manufacturers, especially if you look at TV manufacturers, you look at the remotes these things come with. I mean, they've got buttons on there that you'll never know what they do. <laughs> Program. And it's actually, no, it a, I think it's an art creating a, a, a remote control that's really easy to use. Yeah. I think MultiChoice has done a very good job with their mm. DSTV remote. I mean, that thing is super easy to yeah. use. But I mean, they were able to, to develop it for their platform as opposed to a yeah, generic. That's true. But uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, it, it's easy enough. It's just anything that's missing, I think I agree with you, is that keyboard. Yeah. You, know, you want to do some searching. Yeah. So it's available now from selected stores and it's the, the retail footprint's going to grow. Uh, and it costs 1,600 Rand. So it's not the cheapest set-top box, but um, it's certainly cheaper than an Apple TV. And mm. it's, you know, it much does... Cheaper 10, Apple TV. Yeah, much cheaper than an Apple TV. And it does 1080p HD, which is good enough for most people, for now anyway. Mm. So it's Quest Play, and it's uh, an interesting addition into this market. Um, we've already seen a number of companies fall by the wayside in this uh, in this space. And I think yeah. coming, to, coming to market with a box is the right uh, approach. Yeah, exactly. Give some people something to plug into their TV. Because like the rest of us, the only way we can get some of this stuff is to have a computer connected. And yeah. that's not a viable solution for anybody, really. For, for Unless me? you're a geek. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, so, yeah, if you've got a 4 meg connection at home, they say this will work fine. Um, obviously, fiber is best. Fiber is always best. Yeah, fiber is always, <laughs> yeah, always best if you don't want buffering. Um, but Quasi Play, it's an interesting new addition into this market. And I look forward to the launch of Quest Play or Quest TV because um, that that will bring some real competition, I think, to multi-choice for the first time. Yeah, yeah. We're ready at our first ad break. We'll be back right after this. Bitco is revolutionising the way businesses connect. We're taking on your connectivity challenges and shooting our high-speed fibre internet across the country. Not just for some, but for everyone. Fibre is not a luxury, but a necessity for business, for life, for you. And being connected is everything. So network with a tier one internet provider and take your business to the next level of connectivity. Bitco.co.za. Connectivity is everything. Running a business keeps you on your toes. Wouldn't it be great if your internet connection could keep up? Introducing Business Class Fiber from Vox. It's super fast, reliable, and highly cost effective. 
you get unlimited calls to all SA destinations and it's scalable. So no matter the size of your business, you've still got room to grow. Get connected with Business Class Fiber from Vox and see what super fast internet really means. For more information, visit vox.co.za. Welcome back to the show. How's it, Rechat? How's it, Duncan? So I wanted to chat a bit about out-of-bundle rates. It's a, a really, it's a bit of a hornet's nest, this one. Um, the, the, the two rand a megabyte for mobile out-of-bundle data seems to be slowly disappearing from mm-hmm. this market, although I know there are still operators out there that do charge it. Uh, but CLC announcing uh, on, on some of its bigger plans just over the last week or so that they are going to be cutting out-of-bundle rates I think from one rand ten a megabyte to fifteen cents. What? That's a massive drop. That's a massive drop. Now, fifteen cents works out to roughly one hundred and fifty rand a gigabyte. The headline rate in bundle rate for a gigabyte of data on Vodacom is one hundred and fifty rand. So the out of bundle rate on Cell C is now is the same as the in bundle rate on Vodacom. Mm-hmm. At least the headline rate. Now, yes. Vodacom's Vodacom has systems now that that give you discounts based on who you are and what time of the day it is. and Which is the oh. first trick you need to get through to figure out which package you need. <laughs> it's which it shouldn't be like that. Just give me my date and let me yeah. pay for it at a good price. Yeah. Uh, so 15 cents a meg, um, this, this really is a great and aggressive move. Um, and I, I don't know what it's ta- why it's taking so long for these mobile operators to deal with out of bundle. It's just, I mean, surely you you charge them the same price for out of bundle as you charge for in bundle and the yeah. problem's solved. Yeah. Uh, if you're buying... I mean, data is data, right? I mean, it doesn't I, 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 change based on... Yeah. Properties doesn't change of data based on where it's, it comes from. Yeah, it just strikes me as pure profiteering by these mm-hmm. operators. I mean, if you go to... Uh, sure, if you buy a bigger data bundle, then you can expect a lower in-bundle in data rate. Sure. But if you've purchased that big, bigger data bundle and you use it all up, keep it at the same price. I mean, yeah. you're obviously making a profit I mean, from I'm it. I'm your customer. I'm already spending money on this data. You know, yeah. Give me the benefit of the doubt and then yeah. let me reap some benefit from these yeah. exorbitant fees we have to pay. So if you buy a 10 gigabyte data bundle, for example, and the effective in-bundle rate is 20 cents a megabyte, mm-hmm. when I go out of bundle, don't change the 20 cent per megabyte to two rand a megabyte. Keep it at 20 cents. Yeah. Problem solved. I don't see what the big issue is here, except for the fact that they are able to profit from their customers who don't realize they've gone out of bundle, and then they're mm-hmm. using out of high-priced out-of-bundle data, and they're taking advantage of their customers. Yeah, it I mean, seems like an a, easy one to solve. It does seem like an easy one to solve, but I think we have been seeing this for a long time that I guess the data, where the operators can make money on the data is kind of the last frontier of how they can make money on the current system. Calls have obviously dropped, by the way. When, last, when was the last time you looked at your phone, the number of minutes you've got? I think I've got Never. like 600 minutes left or something. I've got, um, on the plan I'm on, I've got unlimited minutes. I just Okay, so yeah, I mean, but that's also, that has become a little bit of a kind of irrelevant aspect. I mean, minute yeah. doesn't matter anymore. No. But uh, and everybody moving to data, obviously, you know, that's, that's, like I said, that's where I think they still make the last bit of cash, you know, for yes. the heavy data spenders. But uh, it shouldn't be like that, you know. If you don't, if you don't have your trust with your customer, they're going to go elsewhere. Um, yes, and that's what I've been liking what Cell C is doing because they, they seem to be doing the moves that, uh, that is the best move for the customer rather mm. than the best move for for them as a business. Yes, and that makes me look at them and say, hmm, they've got my interest at heart. Maybe I should uh, should look there. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 I hate I hate regulation. I hate the regulator getting involved in in in, in doing these things. But maybe Ecasa needs to say, you guys, you need to do this. Otherwise, we're going to regulate you. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there is no sense whatsoever in charging more for out of bundle data when you buy a buy a bundle. Sure, sure. If you don't buy a bundle at all, mm-hmm. then then you know set a rate. 
uh, and it could be a random megabyte or even two random megabyte, which I think is profiteering. Yeah. But consumers understand the concept of bundles. So you buy a bundle, you know, buy it every month. If you go out of bundle, then you pay the same price. Yeah, exactly. Don't change the, the don't don't change the benchmark just yeah. because uh, I've depleted my my, my yes. cap. Yes. Yeah, oh, and and you end up penalizing people, uh, and people are scared to go out of bundle. They're scared to use the internet because oh my, oh my word, I've only got this much data left, and they don't you know. And then, but if people think, or they know that you know, if they run out of that bundle, they're going to keep paying the same price for that out of bundle data. They probably use the internet more. Exactly. It's good for our economy. Run with it. Yeah. And, and yeah. bill me appropriately at mm. the end of the month. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So that's our brief out-of-bundle discussion. <laughs> We're getting through the show notes very quickly today. Uh, let's talk iPhone. I think that might keep us busy for oh, a while. <laughs> Don't so, take my money, Apple. We uh, didn't record a show last week, so we didn't have a chance to talk a, to, 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 a, to do a dissection of the uh, of the, all the announcements. But Rechard, you're our resident Apple. Um, <laughs> uh, I won't call you a fanboy or resident resident um, Apple aficionado, uh, <laughs> Apple money spender person. <laughs> what is your take of? Let's start with the new iPhone, um, the new iPhones rather. Yeah, the iPhones. Look, I mean, I think as any person that appreciates, and I'm going to use the word appreciates an Apple product because I do, I do like the look and feel and design. Obviously, the new iPhones look great. Even look. the iPhone eight. Look, I mean, I, I guess as great as what a square rounded block can look. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, we kind of got accustomed to it by the leaks, you know. So it was, it was kind it was of, ex- it was expected, mm. but. Look, in terms of aesthetics, there's nothing to find fault with it. It looks good. It's, it's what an Apple person wants. It's Except something simple I'm going to find fault with it. <laughs> yes. iPhone X. What is with that design at the top of the phone? It's the same, uh, it's the same thing as with the 3.5mm Jack Duncan. We just haven't gotten used to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree with you. That is That, that does look a bit odd. I think the, 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 weirdest, the, the weirdest aspect of that little um, nib, and if you don't know what you're talking about, just above, uh, at the top of the phone... Um, they've now kind of had a little indent or a little, what do they call it? A little, just a little black okay. strip where your sensors strip, yeah. are. Yeah. yeah. But then they've left uh, parts of the screen on either side. So you almost have this little dip. Yes. And, and then on each side is a time and obviously the little uh, spacer for your, 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 your LTE connection or whatever. It is a bit odd. And only when you flip your screen horizontally and you're looking at a movie, you'll, you'll notice that there's a bit it's cutting into there. your screen. Yeah. Mm. But to be honest with you, you know, most of the times I use I hold my phone upright and just having the maximum real estate with that little black bump in there, I don't think it's going to distract me at all. Okay. Um, to be honest with you, I mean, I, it looks odd, but you know, people have gotten used to not having a 3.5 mil jack. Yeah. I think this is going to be like the least of your concern <laughs> when you get a phone like this. When, when, when I saw that, though, I, my first thought, when I saw that thing at the top of the screen, my first thought was Steve Jobs would not have allowed this. Oh, yeah, no, he's turning in his grave, that's for sure. Um, I'm just kind of looking, I'm just trying to, Call up this new this new photograph. There was something else I wanted to talk about, um, but yeah, the, so the iPhone X is obviously uh, the one part of the new launches. We've got the iPhone eight and eight, eight plus, and eight plus, yes, which is really um, very incremental. It's it's looks exactly like an iPhone seven, and it's got a it's, all it is is it's got a better processor and better cameras. Yeah, so I mean, I guess you can you can kind of. At you a know, higher price. At a higher price, yeah. And you know, the fact that they're keeping some of the other phones in a lineup, I mean they've got a they've got a lineup now that addresses a broad 
broad strip of the market? Uh, um, I don't know. About that. <laughs> okay, okay, not in terms of, I guess, pricing. <laughs> Starting they, at six hundred and ninety-nine dollars, this is very much high end, and the iPhone X is. Very yeah, I'm much talking about the entire range, so not just about the new iPhone X. I mean, they now with the iPhone X and uh, iPhone eight and iPhone seven, and I think they're still doing the iPhone five S. Really? That's still in the market. Wow. I'm sure there's going to be some of those around for a while. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know. I mean, it starts at $699. And then the iPhone X goes up to, there's a 512 gigabyte Which is fantastic. Model. I think yes. it's 512. And that goes for $1,149. Um, which in rands is going to be about 20K, over 20K, I'd imagine. Mm. Once all the you know, import duties are factored in and taxes and all the rest of it. Um, nice phone, uh, but gee whiz, it's expensive. Yeah, look, I don't think we could expect anything less from Samsung. But in comparison, what is what is the Samsung 8, uh, the new Samsung the Note 8, 8 goes for? The Note 8 go for? Um, it go for? It's less than $1,000. Uh, I think it's I think it's nine. It's eight ninety nine or nine twenty nine somewhere in that ballpark. Um, let me just Google look, that. Uh, look, I mean, you can, we, can, we are always going to be arguing the fact that Apple devices are more expensive across the board, even the notebooks. Every, you know, they, they're definitely a premium product mm. of you know, catering for that. And they're going to sell out every device. I, I, I guess the question we should be asking is, why are they charging so much more for a premium product? Are they deliberately trying to keep it expensive and keep it elite and make sure only the right kind of, or only certain type of customers can get to it? Yeah. Or is it just because they're Apple and you know they want to set a premium to keep it, you know, uh, I guess to keep their products exclusive? But if you look at the hardware, I mean, <coughs> the, the the facial recognition, which is the new feature, they've obviously had to do away with the fingerprint scanner because the screen is now. They didn't have to do away with the fingerprint scanner. They could have put it on the back where Samsung puts. Could have put it, but then where are you going to put? Yeah, no, I'm just being facetious. But <laughs> <laughs> I guess there's a lot of things they, they they could have done. I just don't. I, I guess I don't see an Apple. Yeah. No, they they would push the envelope here and there and then. I'm not an iPhone user, but I'm underwhelmed. Underwhelmed. Okay. Underwhelmed. Okay. Look, I would X. like to see this in my hand. I th the iPhone X, I wouldn't even look at the 8, to be honest with you. It's not, uh, it didn't blow me away because those were the incremental updates for me. The X was the one that, or the 10, shall we say, was yes. the 10. Um, that face ID, I think, is very promising. Obviously, the stuff that they're doing with augmented reality. Now, there were a lot of rumors before the time we spoke about this on a previous podcast as well. Rumors about the see-through phone. I think... Uh, Robert Scoble was big on that where he said, yeah, this is going to be a see-through phone based on his. <laughs> and I think the communication may have gotten uh, kind of uh, mixed up, you know, with these leaks. When we look in hindsight about, when we, in hindsight, when we look at what they could have meant by a see-through phone is that AR capability where you hold your phone up mm. and it which they gives you that overlay. Which they didn't punt that much. In they the didn't punt it. And that to me was the most underwhelming part because clearly this phone was built to handle serious processing you know, underneath, yeah. you know, under the shell, there's a lot of processing power. The only thing I can think of is when more apps obviously come on board, develop more for, for the new hardware, for those dual cameras, mm. that's when we're going to see a pickup. But usually they would bring in a guy like, or a company like Minecraft and show yeah. off some things like they, like, the, like Microsoft well, did with yeah, my, Minecraft's owned by Microsoft. So yeah, yeah, sorry, I mean, <laughs> oh, bad example. Maybe but, they don't want to bring you know, bring in. in a game developer <laughs> and then really show, I mean, they did show a game, uh, hmm. AR game uh, on the demo, um, yes, and I thought that was pretty interesting. You know, yeah. to see to play a game, to be able to move your, your your phone kind of into a virtual building, sitting on a table, to see what's underneath or what men are hiding there. Yes, yes. There we, we go. So the unlocked Galaxy Note Eight starts at nine hundred and twenty nine dollars. 
that's not too far it's off. It's not too far off, no. no. So what's the $80 premium? But this is a much bigger oh, phone. Yeah. Much bigger phone. Look, I think the proof will be in the pudding, and we know that, that Apple's got the software, the app thing down. You know, they definitely produce some of the best apps, or, <coughs> sorry, app, application developers for iPhone, usually, you know, they, they bring out the best apps on the iPhone first, and I think that's always going to be the feather in its cap. Do they sure still do that? Best. I think a lot of app developers develop a lot of app developers in South Africa that I know yeah. develop for iPhone only if they want to they want to obviously reach that audience. You know, they don't okay. want to they I don't want to be was, developing apps for multiple devices. I know that was the case in the past, but um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean Android has emerged as the as the dominant mobile mm. platform, smartphone platform. A lot of the, lot of the oh. top, okay, many many of the top apps, and I do know some developers that still do it, like yeah. I said, uh, bring out for iPhone first. I think it's it's kind of the showpiece, you know. If, if you if you are going to be launching with an application and you and you want to, I guess, make a bit of a mark and do a bit of a soft launch, mm. launching it Maybe. for Apple is because yeah. you, you have a very specific audience. I Maybe think. if you want to test it, but if if you want if you want to reach a big audience, then you're crazy not to target Android. Then Android. Mm. But I guess it's who do you want to who do you want to attract uh, as as a marketer or as a uh, app developer? I mean, you want to go for lower LSM guys who probably won't buy your app. Matt only use a free version. I guess you can argue that too, and that's what I see if I put my marketing specs on. Like, I want to have I want to have a good solid launch with my app. I want to get some hype, and I want I want a specific audience to test it mm-hmm. first, and not have the the bugs or the issues that come in with developing for a lower end Android versus a high end Samsung Android. But I'm not to develop in that space, so please correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but that's the conversations I've had with my developing buddies, and that's, uh, it seems to me like that's still the trend. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> um, I've lost my show notes. Where did the I OLED, uh, OLED screen, I mean, obviously it's not the first. They're not the first, and they're kind of probably the last to bring a OLED screen to a smartphone. Yeah. So it, it's going to be nice to see a, 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 that big screen with that little nudge on top. Uh, even with that nudge, is going to be... Super high res. Mm-hmm. Now it's going to be a fun phone to use, definitely. And I think a natural upgrade for any iPhone techie. It sounds like you've sold yourself on it. No, it's still expensive. It's <laughs> still very expensive. <laughs> and I love. I, uh, look, I like what they've done. It, it was a little bit overwhelming, but it is the next iPhone. It's definitely the next one I'll upgrade to. My upgrade um, cycles only end of next year again. Okay. Or middle next year. So I'd like to think that by that time the prices would have settled. The stock would be readily available. Um, and I won't be an early adopter for this phase, but you know, if I'm going to save some some bucks, and you know, that's, I'm going to be happy with it. Okay. So you won't be one of those guys queuing up outside the iStore. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. I think I'm going to have more fun with iOS 11 first. Yeah, I like that. Eh? Yeah, mm. yeah. I actually installed it a week ago before it released on Monday or Tuesday, whenever it was. Uh, so I signed up for the Apple Beta developer, sorry, Beta yeah, program, yeah. so I could get it early. And I like it a lot on my iPad. It's uh, it's really nice. I, l- I like the um, dock. Mm. Uh, mm. I like the the way you can quickly see all your open apps by sliding a finger up from the bottom of the screen. The iPads become a PC now, like a usable PC-like or notebook-like device, rather than a yeah. I suppose a, a, a I still screen. wouldn't give up my laptop for it, but um, no, definitely not. But it enhances the functionality. It does. Far. I mean, it I does. wouldn't replace my notebook. By any means, with any screen. Yeah, I mean the fact that you can get you can get the full Microsoft Office suite now on on mm. iOS mm. certainly helps. Look, uh, it's maturing. It's maturing mm. the platform, and it's making mm. it a bit. It's making it. It's it's allowing it to be able to stand up against other devices that potentially yeah. you know are PC like function have offer PC like functionality. Yes. 
So yeah, iOS 11. I I, I haven't seen what an iPhone running it yet, but uh, certainly on on iPad, it's a big mm. step up. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't call it a revolutionary upgrade or a or a massive upgrade, but it's it's brought important changes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I the, I would love to see the performance in that new file system. I've heard some mixed reviews of guys that's installed on their phone. Some people complain battery life gets affected, but I mean there's variables here that we don't we can't always account for. Um, but the new interface and that new control bar, mm. I think the new control dock to me is quite exciting. Yeah. Just the way you can manage everything about your phone. Does, is that on the iPhone as well? Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I thought it was an iPad or anything. No, so that when you swipe up from the bottom, you'll have that screen with uh, basically getting to all your settings, switching on right. and off, Bluetooth, yeah. Yeah, Bluetooth, all of that stuff. Yes. yes. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. part of the new iPhone. It is much more intuitive, it. yes. It is much more intuitive. And the other thing, of course, well, they announced two other things. The Apple TV, which I don't think is re- worth talking about, really. They introduced 4K and HDR oh. support. I think that's all we need to say on that. Yeah. And then on uh, the new Apple Watch, of course, which uh, is uh, now has an, um, an eSIM in it. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's uh, so you don't have to tether it with your iPhone all the time. You still have to do some tethering, I believe, but it's... Yeah, but it can make and receive calls on its yeah, own. Yes. Be connected to the internet on its own. But the early reviews are not good. They yeah. suggest that the battery life is utterly shocking, which I, I'm not surprised by, putting a cellular chip in a device that small. Uh, apparently one hour of talk time. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that's not good. Um, and apparently um, some users in the US have been saying they've been having problems with drop calls and, and mm. not being able to hear the caller and that sort of thing. Uh, so it's not getting great reviews. So if you're thinking of getting one of these watches, maybe wait a little bit. Maybe hang on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Look, we've never really, I don't think either of us is really an Apple Watch no. audience. But I see a surprising amount of those out there. And yeah. I think having the this, the, the LTE, built-in LTE, the E, what, the eSIM, eSIM yeah. makes, uh, is going to make a nice difference for people who want to go running with their watch, stream music. Yeah not have to worry about taking their phone with or tracking their Strava because I'm sure with LTE mm. and GPS you'll be able to do that. It'll chow a lot of battery yeah. but nothing wrong with plugging a battery bank in and just having yeah. it strapped on your arm, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. if, if we're doing live stuff, I'm, I'm, that's great because yeah, then you'd obviously you don't have to pair a phone for doing live stuff. Obviously, if you've got a regular watch like a Garmin or a TomTom, mm. you, can just, mm. you can just sync after your run but... Um, yeah, live stuff, you'd always have to pair it. But live stuff, I, it certainly won't be for the diehard guys because you can't go do a triathlon. No. Or, or even a marathon. It's not or a sports just a bike watch. ride. Yeah, it's, it's for guys that mm. want to go do yoga or running along the beach or yeah. I guess one of those soft... Sorry, please don't... <laughs> <laughs> soft sports. You're getting yourself into all sorts of, all sorts of trouble here. Is this, is this the episode I do that? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you're right, though. The Apple Watch is great for doing basic tracking and that sort of thing but mm. uh, if, you, if you're going to do advanced sports and run ultra marathons and that sort of thing then you're not going to use it's it the last year. but you, you'll be able to make phone calls when you when you get a cramp at five days <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> send the ambulance <laughs> <laughs> and that I think is about all there is to say on the iPhone uh, the Apple launch last yeah, week yeah look apart from the hands on testing I mean there's a few other things in the, the, those emojis that you can move the zoom on the iPhone which was quite nice the fact with the two lenses you can now zoom in a bit and get a, a much mm. better picture um, yeah, I think that was that was. Those are the highlights. Yeah, yeah. Two-hour keynote. Not much to say. <laughs> yeah, and everybody was tuned in right to the end. Right now, I tuned out just before the end. I mean, I, it was it was a bit of a, a letdown. I did expect more mm. um, in general. Yeah. I mean, it almost feels like a lifetime ago. Is it that anything new launch? It doesn't feel like it. Like mm. There wasn't the same amount of hype around it. No, there wasn't. You're right. Yeah, it did lack hype this year, and and the reviews that are coming out are, are not that uh, flattering, mm. uh, including of the new iPhone. Uh, I see the Verge today is running some uh, some quite negative uh, stuff on on the new phone, and they've had a look at it. 
Um, I guess the question is where do you where do I, where do Apple go from here with the iPhone? I mean, we can see the improvements they're making just to try and inch it forward yeah. and make it a better technology device. But what is next? I mean, unless they come with something, maybe there's something groundbreaking within that uh, augmented reality stuff that they just haven't launched it, and they're going to go with a bang. Once everybody's got the phone, do they just unlock it? Mm. And now everybody's got this. But I would have imagined that you'd go hard with that, especially now before everybody else is really entering that space from a mobile uh, device point of view. Yeah. And yeah. one more thing. And one more thing. This is our most expensive iPhone ever. <laughs> that was a live quote directly from the keynote. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Apple's biggest competitor, Google. And they announced a very interesting deal just uh, yesterday. Oh, yes. Um, they are buying a chunk of HTC. Uh, they, in fact, seem to be buying HTC's best assets from what I can tell. They've acquired um, a team, the team that was behind the Pixel nice. uh, smartphone, and they've bought some assets there. Um, so what they seem to be doing is they seem to be building a, a team inside Google that's going to allow them to uh, uh, to um, focus on on, this, on these Pixel devices and, and building them into a real rival to to the iPhone. Um, interesting move, uh, I thought. Uh, Interesting, but almost, I, th- I think almost has to happen, especially if Google wants to be a more dominant player. I mean, yes, they've got the Android operating system that they license out to so many other op- manufacturers. But when you look at the iPhones and the Samsung, it's, it's the high-end products. Yeah. Google definitely needs to step in and say, this is the best version of an Android phone that we can make that's really going to compete with, with all these other guys. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting one. I mean, it's, it's kind of the same strategy that Microsoft has taken because mm. Microsoft mm. has always had the operating system and it's relied on third-party hardware manufacturers until recently when it started doing the Surface tablets and the Surface laptops and then it did that Surface, um, what's it called? Uh, I forgot what it's called. A Surface Studio. That yes, beautiful screen, yeah, that beautiful one, screen. Oh, man. Uh, which competed to the iMac. Beautiful-looking machine. So they, they've almost creating these things as reference designs for the rest of the market to go out and, and, and come up with their own stuff. And it seems to be working in a way because if you look at some of the cool designs mm. coming out from companies like Acer and Lenovo and that sort of some thing. really sharp products. Right? Some really great machines. And, and maybe that's what the industry needed. Uh, maybe it, what it needed was, you know, Microsoft to actually say, well, this is the cool stuff we, we think you should be doing with our software. And, yeah, indeed. And I think Google may be trying to do the same thing now with the Pixel devices, this acquisition of, of the people from and the assets from HTC. I think it's mm-hmm. going to try and create a reference design that the rest of the industry can can and Hopefully a reference design that's readily available that anybody can, you know, not just a reference design that's got limited uh, uh, you know, limited access, well, people have got limited access to, but that it's an actual consumer device that yes. anybody can opt for. Oh, I want the Google Pixel because, you know, I just want to spend, I'll press spend a premium on that to know that I've got something, mm. me as a geek, always get the latest updates, maybe have some cool hardware functionality in there. But I think also from a Google, from, from Google's point of view, I mean, if you look at what Apple is doing and how much money they are raking in because they, they're owning the platform, they're owning the software, and what they can do with that, mm. I'm sure Google has looked at that and said, that is quite nice, and, and we want to give our customers that experience, not only to make more money off the search services and all these other things that we can do, mm. but that we can actually come to the market and remove, the, remove that image of Android being, you know, in some cases, especially on the cheap phones, you know, being mm-hmm. a second-grade operating system because it does it doesn't feel as good on a slower phone or an no. older phone than what it does in the high-end Samsung S8. You know, yeah. that, that experience is totally different, and maybe they just want to own that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Um, I'm looking forward to the new Pixel announcement. I think it's coming any day now, in the next two weeks, I think. Um, is there already some leaks out there about it? Hmm. Uh, I wish they'd bring it to South Africa, though. 
you know, that's another thing. I'd buy one if they came here. Yeah. I seriously would. Yeah. I seriously would. I'm still liking that, AT, uh, that Nokia. Well, the Nokia, the new Nokia. I'm still, yes. you know, I th- I th- to me, that that is still a good example of what uh, an Android phone should look like. And, mm. I, and I hope Pixel can blow them out of the water and give us options. But you know, yes, let's, let's have the options in South Africa. Yeah, I'd love, th- I'd love them to bring bring it here. I'd love them to bring it here. And I think that's our news. Let me have a look at the show notes. That is indeed our news. Um, so let's move on to our regular features. Um, we don't have a winner this week, mm. so moving rapidly along. <laughs> <laughs> our loser this week is Uber. Uh, this morning, um, the London Transport Authority announced that they were revoking its license. Uh, a stupid decision, I think. But uh, Some, yeah. uh, So 40,000 partner drivers are now going to be out of work, and um, this is going to affect millions of commuters in the city of London. It's setting a very scary precedent because, you know, if, if they can do that in London, if London can do that, you know, local lawmakers are going to go, hmm, yeah, let's do it can here we too. do the same thing? And then it's, again, you know, not in the interest of the people. Yeah. But it's a big blow for Uber. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've already said they're going to appeal this case. I'm not sure if they can continue to operate while the appeal is going on, but uh, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a big decision. Um, and, you know, I don't know. It's just regulators getting in the way, I think. Yeah. <sighs> What's your pick this week, Richard? So I've got a, a little retro game that I have been enjoying immensely. I used to play this back in the day. Looking at the show notes, your pick looks rather rude, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't, if you can't read the show notes, the game is called Pocket God. <laughs> You're right. It's okay. I'm all ears. <laughs> but um, essentially, I mean, it's it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, this game is a few years old now, but it's basically you controlling a bunch of tribe islanders on a little island and yeah. you can throw hurricanes at them you can shot them with lightning um you know there's various things you can kind of immerse your little islanders into and i've just i always have fun just messing with these little guys um duncan i'm just showing what the screen looks like there <laughs> so i mean i can for example pick this guy up you know i can get the bird to drop do droppings on him okay there's a lot of right things there. that come at you a wave of a lot of things that you have to other defend your islanders or it's like, like donkey kong <laughs> oh yeah now this is a little mini game so that you know donkey donkey kong ca- uh, came to abduct you and now you have to just play the game too <laughs> that's one of the new features on the game but i mean you, you're basically in an island and you have to you're a pocket god you're a god of these little islanders and you can do anything to them that you want like it's a nice little you know frustration reliever yeah, and it's quite cool. funny at times and, cool. uh, yeah do you know offhand first? how much it costs um i've got a free version here and then you can obviously there's various in-game Purchase okay. if you want to get anything, but the free game okay. is good enough. That looks pretty cool. Looks pretty cool. I've got a game pick as well. I actually got two picks this week. Uh, my first pick is Microsoft Exchange Online. Uh, I'm not sure when Microsoft launched this, uh, but um, you can now get you know the concept of hosted exchange, mm. and I think this is a big threat to the to the ISPs that offer hosted exchange services because Microsoft's now doing it directly. Uh, but I signed up for it and I moved my mail across, and it's very impressive. Um, so there's there's uh, three plans available. Uh, exchange Online Plan 1, which is 58 Rand 50 a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, exchange Online Plan 2, which I've gone for, is 117 Rand a month. That's an annual commitment, uh, so you have to pay for a full year. You can either yeah. pay monthly or annually. Uh, and then they offer Office 365 Business Premium, which includes uh, uh, the Online Exchange plus Office 365 for 182 Rand 90 a month. Now, the basic plan um, comes with a 50 gigabyte uh, mailbox, and I forget how much OneDrive storage, but there is some OneDrive storage with that. 
and then the um, I think it's a terabyte, and then the on exchange online plan two uh, for 117 rand a month uh, gives you unlimited OneDrive storage. That's nice. Uh, so unlimited. I mean, you can put 50 put terabytes on there if you want to. Uh, and then the Office 365, which gives you all the Office suites plus unlimited storage for 182.90 a month. It's quite cool. I've signed up for it. it the mm. web interface works well. Um, it's it's pretty good. I've uh, used Alice Exchange before, and mm. especially in comparison to the other services, because a lot of these hosted exchange services used to be these weird. Uh, you'd have a company uh, like let's say a, a IT administration company, and they would set up some servers and then run mm. run this. But they would also be licensing through Microsoft. But it's so cumbersome to set it up through these guys yeah. because you usually have to do some paperwork. Any changes to your account needs to be done through them, so you have to mail mm. them, log a ticket, add an account. What I really like about this is they bring all that functionality of Exchange mm. into like a really easy to use interface. So you can and it's manage Microsoft. users. Yeah, it's Microsoft, but you mm. can log in, you can manage all your users. You can point to a domain. So if you're not, if your domain isn't hosted with Outlook, yeah. like you have, you can still point your domain mail to Exchange. Yes. So you get all the mail through that, and you can just add your aliases and that kind of thing. Yes. It's so easy. You can do it in an evening, and that's why yeah. I absolutely love no, it. Was just, exchange it was just like literally that. a few clicks. It was amazing. Now, of course, this goes head to head, to head with G Suite, which is Google's. Yeah. Um, I think they used to call it Google Apps or something. Yeah, G Google Apps. Apps. Yeah, yeah. It's now called G Suite, and um, I, I looked at them, and Microsoft's pricing is is very it's competitive. Yeah. It's better. Yeah. It's better. It's better. Uh, and you know Google Google doesn't give you unlimited storage. I think the maximum storage they give you on Google Drive is one terabyte. Mm. Here the storage is unlimited. Plus you get the Office apps. And I'm sure you get the apps for in the G Suite, but they're not they're not Office. Yeah, they're um, Office. So the value in terms of Microsoft product is so much more. I mean the mm. G Suite is great, especially if you if you're quite vested into the Google environment. And sure. I have an account like that too. But again, in functionality, the Office yeah. Office is the, this Exchange we just took them a long time to get to this point to operate it like this. I think, I mean, the threat from Google forced them to do this. Mm, mm. Uh, you know, I don't think I don't think it would look like it does and be com- as competitively priced as it is and, 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 and work the way it does if, if they, that Google threat hadn't been yeah. there. I think they got a big wake-up call. They yeah, saw definitely. Google coming for their lunch. Uh, they're coming for their core business of, Microsoft, of Office uh, and Exchange, and uh, they, um, they've responded. And the response is very good. I'm, mm. I'm impressed with mm. this, and I'm... Um, I'm a happy subscriber, so I can highly recommend it. Yeah, I can second that to our ID. Especially if you're a small business, it's so easy to set up. You don't let's need an Let's not forget, yeah, you need, you need that hosted exchange functionality to share calendars, to share contacts. Yeah. Um, you know, if you want to set up boardrooms and meeting rooms, these things can all be done within this app. Mm. Whereas if you just have individual mails, you kind of separate entities. Yes. And you get access, of course, to all of those um, services. Mm. Um, like if you go for the Office 365 premium, business premium option, you get all the services like Skype for business and nice. uh, Link. And uh, I think Link became Skype for business. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's, it's a good deal. It's a good deal. Yeah, um, especially if you consider like if you have Dropbox separately and you have uh, some Gmail services separate, uh, some, some Google services separately, and then still office or a hosted exchange yeah it'll definitely work out better no it's good and of course with the azure data centers coming to south africa next mm. year the r- rumor is they're going to start provisioning those in around april next year so we're just six months away uh when that comes it's going to, all going to be on local bandwidth yeah. and it's going to be so super fast uh, then then that OneDrive might be might be a good mm. good enough reason to upgrade to that alone mm. especially if you get to unlimited my only worry always is is once you stop paying you'll need to download all your Data. Oh yeah, that was a little bit of a pain, but you can, it's quite easy to do. I, you just uh, I just exported my PSD file, imported it again, oh, and it was done. Okay, you know, okay. 
quite simple. Yeah. Obviously, if you're running a, a, a bigger, a yeah, bigger you, I'm talking about live. So like, if you put like four terabytes of yeah. backup storage, it's take that's always. But with any cloud storage, it's always been my worry. Like, I want to back up everything that I have onto the cloud. And yeah. Let's say it's let's say it's four terabytes, five terabytes mm. worth of stuff. Like, it's great, but you still need should something happen. How do you get it? It's going to take you a while to download it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's uh, that's my first pick of the week, and uh, I've got a bonus pick this week, and that's Thimbleweed Park, which is I think I might have mentioned pre- previously yeah, on this yeah. podcast before it was released, but it's out now, and uh, it was on special on Steam on the weekend. What a fantastic game! Uh, if you loved the in the eighties and nineties, if you enjoyed those uh, point-and-click uh, adventure type games, like the Sierra online games, like King's Quest and Space Quest, as well as the uh, Lucas Arts games, I think it's more modelled on the Lucas Arts games actually. Yeah, yeah. Indiana Jones uh, and the and the what was it called the Search for Atlantis or something. I've forgotten the name of it. Um, it's very similar like that. You, you've got a little thing at the bottom where you click use, talk, uh, pick up, whatever. Yeah. But it's very much like the first Monkey Islands. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really enthused with, with fantastic humor. Um, it actually makes the game. Uh, so you, I haven't got very far in it yet, but you, you play two characters and... Uh, and their interactions and the the funny characters you meet along the way it's, it's really <laughs> it really appeals to my sense of humor uh, i don't think it's on special on steam anymore uh, but uh, i'm sure it'll be if you add it to your uh, watch list uh, it'll let you know next time it goes on, on on special but it's even worth it at full price i must say yeah uh, old school game you're not getting great graphics here it's very pixelated and they actually um they actually take the piss as well with their uh um, in the game, which we about it. So, uh, they find a dead body at the beginning of the game, and uh, the, the, the characters joke with each other that it's really badly pixelated. It must have been dead for a while. <laughs> okay, that's it. I'm going to get this game. That sounds fantastic. So that's Thimbleweed Park. Really, really great game. A bit of nostalgia, I, I guess. Um, no, that's a good pick. Sort of thing. And that is our show. Uh, let's do our quiz results. Um, Rechard, do you want to do the first question? Sure thing. First question in this week's quiz. Which South African retailer conducted a trial of Bitcoin payments at its point of sale? And the answer there is pick and pay. Pick and pay indeed. Second question. Uber has been banned from operating in which major city at the end of this month? And that's London. The third question. Which technology industry mogul this week firmly denied that he wants to run for US president? And the answer there is Mark Zuckerberg. And President Mike, 2030. <laughs> yes, I, I will not necessarily <laughs> believe this denial. Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella is publishing his first book next week. What's it called? And the answer is Hit Refresh. I'm looking forward to reading that, mm. actually. It's, no, it's, uh, it's a book. Of, apparently, it's a bit about his life and how he came to Microsoft, but also it's about how he's re-engineered the company and where he sees it going in the future. So it should be a good read. Nice, nice, yes. Kay. And the final question this week's quiz, which major retailer in the U.S. has filed for bankruptcy, citing e-commerce rivals as the reason? And the answer there, Toys R Us. Toys R Us, and it doesn't affect the South African stores. No, it's yeah. in North America only. Yeah. 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 And that's our show. As always, if you've got any feedback, we'd love to get your mail. Our uh, email address is info at techcentral.co.za. Until next time, from Rechard and myself, cheers. Ciao, ciao.